Hi, welcome back once again. And just to remind you, we're the behaviorists and we are prejudiced, prejudiced against, against bad, bad behavior. behavior. And thank you for all the feedback we've had from the previous round and the questions that you asked. And we will look to address those today and in future sessions. And so what are we going to talk about today, Kalinda? Well, today we're going to talk about something that is a problem in many, many homes. In fact, in homes all around the world. And this is the dreaded Monday. before we talk about the secrets to changing how you think about Monday, just cast your mind back to whenever you had the last Monday. So you wake up in the morning, perhaps with an alarm, and you think, oh no, it's Monday. See, there's the first clue. Oh no, it's Monday. And so what does Monday mean? So you start thinking routine and work and the grind and all of those things. So um, I think most of us would agree that Monday is a bit of a challenge. And so that's probably the least favorite day for Monday. And then by about Wednesday, it's sort of midweek and we're not too bad. And then if anybody says Friday, I've tested that here. So if I walk down the corridor on a Friday and I just say Friday, first of all, you can see by my face, Friday. And everybody else says, yes, it's Friday. And those people who are working on Saturday will be, oh, tomorrow will be like my Friday. There's even an acronym, isn't there? TGIF. Mm -hmm. Thank God it's Friday. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you know, hang in. It's Friday. Mm -hmm. It's almost mm -hmm. Friday. So what am I going on about? So Monday. Monday is the problem area for most people. And Neil's got some secrets for us around Monday. And in fact, this is one of his most popular corporate talks and shows up in many of the books to everybody's delight. And the talk is all about make, making Monday great again. And when you first hear that, you think, did you perhaps, you know, there, there's a mistake. Monday, great. You know, not so sure about that. And of course, since we're the behaviorists, we're all about the bad behavior that we see that, you know, we sometimes do. And certainly Monday, if I think about my house, and we're normally all grumping around like bears. And so, you know, there's bad behavior already from the second we wake up and we, oh no, it's Monday. So just think while you're listening to this, what sort of behavior goes on in you and around you on a Monday. And now I'm going to ask Neil to share some of his secrets around what we can do about Monday. Great. So we're going to get everybody going, yay, it's Monday. Or thank God it's Monday. We're going to change that acronym to TGIM. So I don't know if we'll that may be pushing it a little bit, but uh, yeah, what we can do is change your relationship to work and the way that you see work. And the funny thing is when I do these talks, often there's somebody in the audience who says, so how much are they paying you? Because it's presumed that, you know, I'm here because they're trying to increase people's level of engagement and it's just another motivational talk. And I usually say, well, wait until we finished and then let's see if that comment still applies or if you really get and buy into what I'm saying. And usually I get quite a lot of buy-in to this. And so stick around. Hopefully you'll get the same benefit as well. And if we look at it, Monday is really about motivation, isn't it? So we don't feel motivated. We feel meh. It's like the meh emoji that you talk about. And so a useful place to start with this is looking at motivational states. So I've defined five motivational states. And the first one is the state of flow, which 
I didn't define, I pulled into this model and the state of flow is that state where we all kind of want to be. It's like when you're doing your favorite hobby and you're just lost in the moment, you know, whether it's playing an instrument or, uh, you know, running that, that sort of runner's high or if you really love your job and you're doing that favorite part of your job you really love and you just lose track of time and all your problems seem to disappear and you just have that ecstatic experience. So that's called the state of flow or state of optimal experience. And that's been studied scientifically and we'll talk about that a little bit more in a few moments. Below that we'd get what you would call this, what is the state of rest. So that's obvious, it's the active conscious choice to, to rest after you've had your run or after you've expended activity, you need to rest. Sure, absolutely, that's important. The problem is we kind of want to stay in that state of rest a little bit too long and what happens is we drop further down into a state of what I call NUI or which is just a fancy word for boredom. So that's when you're feeling a bit flat. So, you know, like Friday, Saturday morning, you're resting. By Sunday, you're probably dropping into NUI. You've been resting maybe a little bit too long, and that's when you can barely get up off the couch to go to the fridge to get a drink, or certainly you don't feel like getting up and going for a run, or doing that, checking your emails before, you know, and, and, and prepping for your week. It's the last thing you feel like. So you want to kind of stay on the couch. So that's that state of NUI or boredom. Then we get the state of what I call animation. So animation is that level where you are actively expending energy in pursuit of a goal. So you get up from the couch and you decide, I will go for a run. Usually you don't feel like it, right? You never feel like it in the beginning. So it takes a bit of effort and energy to get going. Exactly. And even the first few minutes, you kind of, it's like, "Eh, why am I doing this? Or you decide to get up, you open your computer, you start the emails, you don't really feel like doing it. However, that is kind of the pathway into getting into the state of flow. There's kind of, unfortunately, no other way to do it. But that state of animation is where we need to actively choose an activity and start that activity. It's like getting that flywheel going. And the thing with the state of animation that I find interesting and amusing is that usually we, it's forced on us by external circumstances. So, you know, I'm going to see the boss tomorrow, so eventually I have to do it. Or my partner's arriving home, so I better wash the dishes and make the bed. Or, you know, uh, those kind of things. There's usually something external. The child comes and they need something, so that forces you to get up off the couch. It's, it's much harder to activate the state of animation by yourself, by pure decision. Like, okay, I'm going to get up. That's where we have to really drag ourselves into things. Okay, so that's the pivotal point. That you just have Mm. to get out of that NUI by just a few seconds of getting Mm. into that animation. Mm. Exactly. So, and maybe more than a few seconds, the decision is a few seconds, or maybe you can take half an hour to get to the decision, and then you make the decision. Then it takes a few minutes of the activity to get going. So Bruce Fordyce, the marathon runner, he has famously said that I used to run to the second lamppost every day when I'm training before I make the decision whether or not to run that day. So in other words, he kind of knew that getting out of bed in the cold on a winter's morning, nobody really feels like it. So he would just, you know, make the decision once he's already doing the activity, which is quite a good way to to get yourself into that animated state. It's just like, you know, give yourself no choice. Because obviously by the time you hit the second lamppost, you're out there, you're doing it, and you're starting to get moving, and you're probably going to stay and complete the run. So that's animation. So, so far we've got flow, you want to be in, mm-hmm. NUI, which is below rest, well, which rest you spiral NUI, into. Yeah. And so to get from rest and bypass NUI, you've got to go to animation. And that's what takes you to flow. Yes, exactly. And then there's one more 
that I should mention, which is when you go beyond the state of flow, and that I would call agitation. So that's when you're pushing too hard to make things happen. Like often in the corporate environment, we're always trying to push too hard to make things happen. The poor project managers suffer the most, you know, because the deadlines are insane and then we can't meet them and then the poor project manager gets it. But actually, we're all in a state of agitation because the deadline is unrealistic or the, the, the workload is unrealistic. So that's probably where the bad behavior happens. You know, the, it, the yeah. NUI might just be you lying around and probably not looking great here. And that that's maybe more at home. And uh, although I guess you can take that out of home, can't well, you? Well, and be you go to some negative offices in this country, some government offices, you can see a bit of NUI. Oh, you know, the dragging of the feet yeah, and that yeah, sort of thing. Yeah. And then the agitations, that more forceful, yeah, you know, yeah. shouting, big hand movements. Frustrated, angry. Um, yeah. And you start firing people because they're not doing their job and, you know, those kind of things. So it's kind of too low and too high. And then the yeah. ones in the middle are just right. Yeah, yeah. So flow is what you want. Animation gets you there and then yeah. there's that balance with rest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You make it sound yeah. so simple. Maybe later yeah. on you can give us some ideas on how to do this thing besides waiting for that deadline or the yeah. boss. Yeah. And I think that's the key. So, so we can have a look now at, at what you can do about it and also then why we have this negative relationship to work, which we'll look at at the end. So stick around for that. So to, to continue introducing the subject, let's have a look at the science of flow and then we can put these pieces together. So the, the state of flow was studied by a guy, Michaeli Shikshent Michali is his name, a long fancy name. And well, I don't know if it's fancy, it's Polish. And he was the professor of psychology at Chicago University. And back in the 70s, he started doing these studies. And they actually got people, whether they were dock workers or surgeons or people playing in orchestras, whatever it happened to be, they would give them this clipboard with some questions and a pager. This was pre-cell phones, you know, and internet. And when the beeper went off, that person then had to record what they were doing and what they were feeling and experiencing. And this became one of the biggest social studies ever done. It spread to Italy, Japan, Australia, all over the place. And they gathered tons and tons of data. And they were able to identify what are the key factors that are present when you're in that state of flow. And what they actually found was that most of those are under your conscious control. So you can actually activate them deliberately. So it's, we always think, well, it's about the activity. You know, I need to be doing the right thing. But actually, he, what he pointed out was it's not about the activity at all. It's about how you approach the activity. So, you know, you need to bring, it, it needs to be something that you would do for its own sake. The goal has to be meaningful for you. The activity has to stretch you out of your comfort zone or, you know, stretch your skill level. So it must be at the outer edge of your skill level, just testing your skills. There must be an un uncertain outcome. In other words, you may not achieve the goal and the difference is not one of luck. So in other words, uh, it's not like gambling where you, you know, it's just pure luck. It's like your skills are what will make the difference to you achieving it or not. So a good example would be playing the piano. You want to play a certain song. You're learning a new song. And it's the, it's the stretching of your skill level and the focus and, and bringing your full energy and attention to that and applying your skills to achieve the goal. That combination of factors is what puts you into the flow state. And so it's not random activities, but very specific activities. So how, what kind of work activities would well, count for this? A lot, a lot. And that's the interesting thing. That's what's really interesting about the study was they found, and this is where the Monday stuff comes in. They found that people enter the flow state twice as often at work than they do at home. And yet, what's everybody trying to do? 
get to Friday, get away from work, get home. Quite surprising. And so what that tells us is that we human beings are very bad at gathering evidence from our own experience. In other words, we have the story that Friday is better, that rest is better, that doing nothing is better. Everybody wants to win the lottery, go live on that desert island, do nothing and, you know, have as much rest and doing nothing as possible. But they're not actually gathering the evidence because if you look at a, the experience of a person who is, say, unemployed, what happens? They become less motivated. They become slow. Even their speech starts to become slow. Their way of thinking is slower. And sure, you can say, well, it's because they're not earning, they're not getting reinforcement. But actually, I'm saying they're not getting into the flow state often enough. So you get the other end, you know, where people have, say, won the lottery and now they don't need to work and mm. they're just kind of drifting every day. Yeah. And you can only go and to restaurants so many times. And I've actually had that where, you know, I've been called into coach guys or had guys come to me in their 40s and literally they have done the, lived the dream. They've, you know, built that business, sold it out for tens and sometimes hundreds of millions of rand and they're bored out of their mind. They're frustrated, some of them, and depressed. Why? because they have no activity, nothing to focus on. So this is where it comes back to the work thing and the Monday thing. We think that we are miserable on a Monday and unmotivated on Monday because we've got work ahead. But what if it's because we've been lounging around in that NUI state for too long on the weekend? Or we've been partying too hard, trying to get the most out of the weekend, and so we've been in that agitated state, like trying to milk life for enjoyment pleasure whatever either way not yeah yeah and either way apart from the fact that you might have a hangover the the fact is that you have dropped right out of the flow state because you haven't done good activities on the weekend and then what happens monday you usually drag yourself through monday but tuesday mm, if you had that clipboard and you were taking the evidence you'd go gee i'm actually feeling a bit better right now we don't always like to admit that to ourselves because it might mean something that we don't want it to mean, which is work is good for us. Wednesday, we're fully charged. Thursday, we, you know, we're rocking and we think it's because of Friday. But guess what? We've been in the flow state because work does all of those things to us. It challenges our skill levels. It focuses our energy and attention. It forces us to get into that animated state and hold on to a task long enough that we get into that flow state consistently enough and that's what then gets us to, the, to where Friday we're feeling great, we're feeling wonderful. And we think it's because the weekend's ahead. Sure, that has something to do with it. But a lot of it is because we're now motivated. If we had our clipboard again, we'd say, mm, okay, I admit I'm feeling a lot better today than I did on Monday before I went to work. So that's quite a radical thought, you know, that work provides way more opportunities for flow state. I mean, who would have thought that? Certainly mm -hmm. not me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And so that's one of the things that Shikshent Michalji said was that there are far more activities that we can use to get us into the flow state than we would initially acknowledge. So in fact, he said that often you need an incentive to get you to do the activity. And it's like children, you know, like you've got a teenager and, you know, they, the last thing they want to do is any chores around the house. But if you get them positively engaged, come, let's go gardening or, you know, tidy up. They, they eventually, they start, you know, turning it into a game, enjoying it. And, and if you had to get them with a clipboard at the end and say, how motivated are you? You know, they'd, they'd have to admit, like, actually, 
pretty good. And so, well, you so, can certainly so, see that from the way that they change. You know, their behaviours, they start yeah, engaging, yeah. they're not grousing, yeah. they're not flat. Yeah. I've definitely seen that happen. Yeah. So if it's a work task, you bring full energy and attention to it. You can recognise that this is an opportunity to get into the flow state. It's going to stretch my skill level. And it's my skill level that's going to make a difference. You can create an element of what we call structural tension to the task. So how can I do this to a level of perfection or within a certain amount of time? Or So you set yourself a goal that, that forces you to then create a bit of tension within the activity. And then by recognizing that tasks do that for you, you can bring that awareness to the task. So that's one of the things about making Monday great is how you spend your weekend. So sure, every now and then it's nice to completely veg out, you know, binge watch a series. However, if that's your consistent pattern, you probably find your Mondays are consistently terrible. So you, what you could do is approach your weekend by selecting tasks and going and doing them with full energy and attention, presence, and creating some structural tension. So how can I do this to a level of perfection? How can I do this to within a certain amount of time? And recognizing that that task a, I'm going to get the storeroom cleaned up or I'm going to sort out my emails or whatever it happens to be. And so you're going to get that result. And secondly, you're going to feel a lot better about it by the time Sunday evening comes and Monday morning, you'll probably feel a lot better when you get to work. So, so far, I think we can agree that the behaviors in any of those extreme states, you know, the agitation, the NUI, those are the problem behaviors. And that's actually what turns up in my office. You know, people are just dragging themselves through their lives, really, or they're just punching them, their, their way through their lives and fighting with the whole world. Mm. So th those are the problem behaviours. Now, it, we can't just wave a wand and then those behaviours change or watch one of our series or one of our videos and the behaviour changes. So there's got to be an interface. And I guess I'm wondering about your thoughts, your internal narrative. Mm -hmm. What's that got to do with the behaviours and the flow and all mm, of these concepts? Exactly. Well, exactly. So if you look at it, the thing is, we have the story that rest is better. We have the story that work is less desirable than rest. And so, Bad, salt mines, terrible. Exactly. Yeah, we use all of those words. And so our narrative about work is very negative. Our narrative about rest is very good. And so it comes back to what we teach in the mindfulness program. It comes back to what the Stoics said. It's not the thing itself, but your relationship to the thing that determines your experience of it. So if we can recognize that work is an opportunity to get into the flow state, it provides an opportunity for personal growth, then I can change my narrative about work. Then I can use those tasks to motivate myself. I mean, all you have to do is think about what it would be like if you were unemployed and you had no job. Immediately, there's a whole lot of gratitude just for having a job. And sure, we want to find the, the right job, the right fit. That's an exercise, you know, everybody's busy with. But the fact is, right here, right now, if you can give up all of those other narratives, then you can bring your full attention and energy to this task and recognize the value of this task and use this task to, to get you into that positive flow state and get out your clipboard at the end and say, gee, that actually helped me. And then you build some evidence, you build a case for doing it again. And then you get into this beautiful relationship with work. There's that saying, work is love made visible. It almost becomes like that for you. You're like, oh, this, this work thing is so good for me. I, you know, I really managed to, to it, it gets me motivated, gets me out of the house and out of everybody's head. There's a lot of good stuff that happens for us at work. And yes, we're always trying to 
you know, manage our relationships with people, manage the boss, manage the politics. Sure, that's part of it. However, you know, at the core you of know, it, use it, it or does lose a lot it. of good for uh, us. There are a lot of studies that show that, that if you're not using your brain, you know, mm. to do something, it's not necessarily even formal work, but mm. using it in some kind of task regularly, mm. it's like mm. muscles, you know, mm. use them or lose them. Mm. And the brain is exactly the same. Great. So we hope that you've enjoyed this. And if you would like to see more, please subscribe using the button below and add some questions in the comment section. We will address, we will select questions and each time we will do another, we'll answer some of those questions. So that's the behaviorist signing off. And remember that like we are, we'd like to encourage you to also do your bit in terms of shifting your behavior, be part of the behaviorist tribe. And let's see, bit by bit, behaviorally, we can change our environments, our relationships, and take over the world. Exactly.